Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And it reads, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. Excuse me. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judea. For a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd for the people of Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and learned from them the time that the star first appeared. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, fragrances, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. For the last Sunday of the year, will you help me introduce the title for today's message? Everyone say, we have come, we have come to, worship him. to worship him. You may take your seats. We have come to worship him. Any other Sunday, given far more time, this will provide an opportunity for me to explore in far more depth such a variety of things in this text. We can talk about this beautiful star that appeared and what potential astrological event this was. We can talk about the response that these individuals had, these men and potentially women who've come from the East after recognizing it. We can even sit and quandary a bit about the idea that when this message had made it to Herod and these uh, sojourners were able to finally get to this place, that not only did it disturb Herod, but it also disturbed the people of Jerusalem. Why would this message be so concerning? We could talk about how much this much have, have taken, how far and the distance they might have traveled. We could even talk about the fact that in this narrative, Joseph is nowhere to be found. The only people who are in the, in the passage when the magi or, magi or the wise men get to the location is Mary and Jesus. I might even spend some time recognizing that the way that Matthew has constructed this story, 
that neither Mary nor Jesus speak. They're not even central, even though they are significant. This entire story stems around Matthew communicating what happens when people see this star and they go and search for Jesus. This is the thing and the idea that I could not let go of. That these men who are not of Jewish background, they're not of the faith. In fact, many potentially put them in a completely different faith. See a star and it causes them to do what seems so unlikely. Jesus born is nestled and surrounded by other Jewish believers and we don't have stories of them rushing to worship him. But we have Magi from other countries not connected to the faith not only not connected to the faith, don't even have full access to the scriptures. We can tell this because when they finally get into town, they have to ask questions about where the baby is to be born. They followed the star only so far, but still now they need more information to find location. And they get there and they're looking around and they can't find what they come and they've been looking for. Hear the song. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for, right? They get, they get there, they're searching. And, and, I, and of course, I can't help to ask the question, what would make them go and search like this? And I wish I had time to deal with that, but I, I don't. But what I do have time to deal with is this search and this quest came with the expectation that when they found what they were looking for, that they were going to worship. I want to say that again. That when they came, found what they were looking for, that they had purposed in their hearts to worship. It did not matter the travel. It did not matter what they encountered along the travel. It didn't matter how much food they had run out of or how much water or how much bickering you know. You've been on a trip with people. People are very different when you travel with them. There's a gift to know them from afar and be able to send them to their homes and you go to yours. But when y'all got to cohabitate together, decide together, determine, it's hard enough to figure out what we gonna eat. Now they've come along this whole trip and none of that has changed their expectation of what to do. We have seen the star. And when we get there, we have purposed to worship. Now the Greek word behind this, it's a mix of two kind of words. And it's meant to show physical posture. One of the root words is to kiss. Everybody say kiss. This was a ancient and still Middle Eastern practice that when you met someone of stature, that you would greet them with a kiss. And when someone is of higher stature, you don't go to them 
direct and straight way communicating equality, you would bow down. In fact, that's what the word means. It literally means to bow down. That's what the worship is. And it means to bow down and kiss. Now, this is where I took a departure uh, with the biblical text because the practice actually meant to bow down and kiss the foot. And Jesus knows I have issues with feet. That's the only reason why we've never done a Monday, Thursday service. I, I, I really want to serve y'all. I guarantee I do. I want to wash the feet of, no, I don't. I don't want to wash the feet of God's people. But I want to signify that through other acts. So I pray that I can show it because I got issues. So pray for your pastor, okay? If you ever want to just communicate to me that you don't like me, just lift your foot up and I'll get it. Okay, understood. No problem, okay? But the practice and the word Worship derives from bowing down and kissing the foot of the one that is before you. And these who had traveled came not to ask, not to require, not to gain, but their sole purpose for traveling was to bow down and to worship. The story tells us that their inquiries about this new king of the Jews started a stir. Herod called them in and tried to figure out what they were looking for, and when they finally got it, they talked to other folks, given better information. They're now sent further along their quest to Bethlehem, and when they get to Bethlehem, they say the star stopped. They walk into the house, and they literally do what they had set out to do. Scripture says the first thing that they do once they see the child and Mary is they enter into the house and bow down. They bow down before a baby. They worship the baby. They worshiped this one to whom the star had alerted to them was worthy to be worshiped. And that arrested me because I feel, I feel that there's something that we can learn from these men. That although they were not a part of the faith, they understood elements of the faith better than those in the faith. That there are moments where We'll come in proximity to God. And instead of bowing down, we stand straight up. We stand as if we are on equality with God. We don't enter into the space with any level of deference towards God. We walk around in the worship service like God ought to be happy that we came, that we should get a check in the book like we're doing God a favor. But I wish I had a few more people that just recognize what you and who you are standing in the midst of, that when you will walk in, that the appropriation of your attitude should be signaled in your body and we should be able to tell by your comportment that you know that you are in the presence of an amazing God and that God is worthy of your worship. In fact, I'll say it. Our, our worship team doesn't have to say it. Don't, don't, our worship pastor didn't say this. This is on me. I'm saying it all by myself. But sometimes I get frustrated in worship. 
Because I see them up here going in. And I see y'all watching as if this is a performance for your entertainment as opposed to folks that come into the sanctuary where we call it a worship service and act like I ought to be participating with what is happening in the room. I wish, I wish we learned how to bow down. And, and some of us may be thinking right now, and this may be you, it just don't take all that. Why I got to mess up my makeup? Why I got to get my clothes dirty? Why I got to mess this stuff up? Because if anything that you are wearing, if anything that you are feeling is worth more than the God that created everything, I'll sweat my clothes out. Why? Because God gave them to me. I'll mess my shoes up. Why? Because God gave them to me. I'll lose my voice. Why? Because God gave it to me. And I'll say this, I'll say this, and I say things because I want to make sure we understand the history of our church. Our church is steeped in the African-American tradition. That does not mean that anyone that is not African-American is not welcome, but I want you to understand the practice. It is the practice of African religion in the black church that gives us continuation to an understanding of God that existed before we made it to the shores of America. And I want you to hear this. America is not the first place that we learned of Jesus. There were Christians that came over slaves and they were already worshiping God. So they kept what they did and they had to find places where nobody else could watch them. And so they would yell into clay pots because slave masters were trying to stop them. They would get into circles and begin to move because they decided free I'm going to be no matter the chains that are on me. So when I come into worship, I move my body because I feel my ancestors telling me I can fly. I move my body because I feel my ancestors telling me I'm free. I worship because I come from an ancestry of worshipers that said they recognize that what their body does connect to where their soul is. And if you can't show me your worship in your body, I question the worship in your soul. First, all right, I got, I got eight minutes. First, they get there and they let their bodies talk. They bow down in acknowledgement of a good God. And then... Watch this. Scripture says that they give gifts. They opened their treasure chest and give gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These elements that are meant to represent kingly station in life. They go to the baby Jesus and present to the baby Jesus gifts. And maybe... This ain't grabbing you the way it's grabbing me. They present the baby Jesus gifts. We're not talking about the Jesus that had turned water to wine. We're not talking about Jesus that wrote in the dirt and saved the woman caught in adultery. 
We're not talking about the Jesus that spit into mud and made the blind man see. We're not talking about Jesus that was able to take two fish and five loaves of bread and feed 5,000. We're not talking about Jesus that saw the, the waves and said, I'm going to make this solid ground and walked upon the waters. We're not talking about the Jesus that carries a cross up Calvary's mountain. We're not talking about the Jesus that stretches his arms out and bows his head. And for me, he died. We're not talking about the Jesus that three days later rose up with all power in his hand. We ain't talking about that Jesus. They went to the baby Jesus. <laughs> Meaning that their worship was not connected to what he did. We got a what have you done for me lately type of church. We'll worship him when the doors open. We'll worship him when the relationship comes. We'll worship him when the bank account gets better. We'll worship him when the healing comes. We'll worship him when everything is good. But I wish I had some folk that can join with the psalmist and say, if you never done another thing for me, you still already done enough. That if I had a thousand tongues, I still couldn't worship you enough. If I thought about who you were, if I thought about what you are, if I saw you in your glory, if I thought about the amazing God, I wish we had just a little bit of wonder in our heart that these men came to the baby Jesus because they recognized who he was, not what he did, but who he was. They knew that he put the awe in awesome. They knew that he put the wonder in wonderful. They knew that he made amazing say wow. I wish we knew. It says he hadn't done nothing. He hadn't said nothing. Catch this, catch this, catch this. The word made flesh hadn't spoken yet. In other biblical and even other baby narratives, they'll communicate the speciality of the baby by the baby doing something special. Jesus does nothing, but it doesn't take him doing something for the folks to recognize who he is. They say if the star is going to start acting like this, if creation is going to talk about your birth, if it's going to stop over your house, if we're going to find it as they said we would, we don't need no more confirmation than that. You are worthy to be praised. And they said, we're not just going to praise you with our bodies. We're going to worship you with our treasure. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. We're going to worship you with the things we value most. Because we've gotten into the type of faith that only wants to give to God what cost us nothing. We want to be able to give when it's easy. We want to be able to worship in ways that don't cost us anything. We get attitudes if we have to sing a song sometimes that we don't know. 
I don't know them words, Pastor. We got to stop singing all them new songs. We need to give us the old stuff, okay, Pastor? It's not Pastor, it's Pastor. We got Pastor. It costs too much. It's effort. You mean to tell me that if I was to survey your life and find the things that you value the most, I would ask, would you be willing to give those to God? <laughs> I think we've missed the opportunity to see the manifold glory of God released in our lives because we're too busy trying to hold on to the things that we think are most valuable. And we miss God right in front of us. These men aren't Jews, Gentiles. They would be called pagans in their day. They believe a crazy religion, watching the stars. And though they are outside of the faith, God speaks to them and they act more faithful than those that are given. They bow down and they've carried gold, frankincense, and myrrh to give a gift to this family that didn't have a place to stay when Jesus was born, to this family that's probably not in the upper echelons of financial ability, they come and they give. Watch this. They don't ask, is Mary going to spend up all of Jesus' money? <laughs> now listen here, Joseph, you better not be smelling like frankincense when we come back here. Because it's not about that. It was the orientation of their hearts. And they knew if I gave this to Jesus, then it's worth it. And we never hear about them again. We don't hear them showing up doing Jesus' ministry asking for something. We don't hear about them saying, hey, remember when you was a baby? You see, we was the first ones that came. Remember that gold I got you? Can you spot me five? I mean, I just, just put five on it, you know what I'm saying? Like, just five on it. What they had grasped that I hope that we do is only the things we do for God will last. So they gave. And they gave that which cost them something. And so as we're preparing to close out this year, as many of you know, we're in our season of giving. In fact, we, we knew that the sermon was moving this way, so I'm going to do something. And I'm going to do it because I trust that God is going to move in you. And I, I'm just, you know, I, I'll be honest with y'all sometimes. So in churches that are predominantly black, say it that way, it costs the pastor to allow you to give on the way out. You know why? Because y'all don't do it. Just look at me. Just be honest. You know you don't. You're like, oh, I see y'all. See y'all next Sunday. You'll run right over there, right? <clears throat> then you go to other churches and they say, well, Pastor, how come you just don't do it on the way out? Because when we do it, offering goes like a third. Because y'all walk on out. But that's not going to be the worry today. 
because I believe that we have a group of people who have been so impacted by God that on this last Sunday of the year, we want to give. And so, once I do the benediction on your way out, we'll have our ushers at the door, and they'll collect your envelopes. For those that give online, you can still do that. For Emmanuel everywhere, you can still do that. That'll be the way, but we're going to trust because I sense that there's a, a moment that I want to create for our invitation that I believe will be important. And in the same way that we want to worship God, I want us to give to God. Now, I sent out the message earlier. Um, man, we've done some amazing things. This, this month has been really good, but we're a long way from our goal of 130K for Seed the Soil. And so for those of you that have been hoping that somebody else will fill the gap, God is telling you, you are the gap filler. Amen. Um, and for those of you to whom God has graced to be able to, I pray that you would bring your gold, your frankincense and myrrh, and see what God will do as we submit these things going out of 2023 into 2024. If you want to see the manifest glory of God, you got to trust the ways that God says it. So that's that. <clears throat> Now, all right, two minutes. It's going to probably take me four, but just give me grace. The thing that grabbed me the most, I think, they bowed down, they gave, but it was how they understood faith. They had saw the sign. They had been given revelation but revelation only got them so far. They still could not find the child. It was not till they met others who had the scriptural references that now their revelation and the scriptures met that led them to Jesus. Pastor, what does that mean? That means that for those of you that have been around questioning the faith, asking if you should be a follower of Jesus, the only thing I could give to you is the scriptures connected to the revelation. The thing and the reason why we move is because we sense it on the inside. That's the revelation. When people are talking, and it's hard, sometimes it's hard to quantify, there's this thing you sense. It goes beyond your intellectual capacity. It is not because I've given the most logical argument for why Jesus is Lord that you follow. That's not following Jesus. It's something that communicates more deeply. And then when that meets the scriptures and the way that you see God being revealed, that leads you to this is the way. This is why the Christian witness consistently goes back to the Bible. Every single worship service, we have scripture because it is not just about our thoughts or our singing. But if we do not go back to the word of God, our revelation can be a mist. We'll get close, but we'll miss Jesus. But when the two connect... When our worship and, and our revelation now synthesizes around what scripture says, we can see the newborn child for us in all of God's glory. We can recognize that this would have to be the king of the Jews. This would have to be the one that had been communicated about because something about this just seems so right. I've tried everything else in my life. I thought I knew, but it was not until I was known by God that everything changed for me. And that's the offer for you today. As I prepare to close us with the invitation,
This is the opportunity for someone that has been questioning this faith thing all this time. This is your moment. Will you still have questions? Yes. Will you love all of church people? No. Will everything make sense? No. Will it be the best decision you ever made? Yes. Unqualified. My life has never been better. I walk through issues stronger. I understand life greater. I even have greater ability and grace to deal with people because God has given me such great grace. I see the flaws in folks, but know that people are more than just their mistakes. And people are not just all the things that they have accomplished. I can walk now and see the manifest glory of God even in the darkest of circumstances. And yes, there are days when my head is low, my heart is heavy, and I don't always know which way to go. But I also know I have the scriptures, I got the spirit, and I got the community that helps to lead me forward. So in this last day of 2023, what better way to represent your faith and present a gift back to God than by giving your life? Pray with me.